Good morning or good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're watching from. Hope you're having a great day so far. Hey, I want to ask, uh, you know, if you're on, say hello in the comments. Be sure to uh, engage throughout. We love uh, the engagement from you all in, in the comments. And also, we ask that you would uh, share this video and share all the videos. Um, we have set a goal for ourselves uh, to reach a thousand followers by the end of the year. And this is not a, a vanity, vanity metric that we're trying to get to. Uh, it is a, a point we want to get to because we are trying to uh, spread uh, what it is uh, that God is doing through unedited life. It's uh, about fulfilling uh, the call God's given us and, and the mission as well that we have. And so that's why we ask you to share. And that's why we've set that goal. So we appreciate it. And, and we're, we're really thankful uh, for you uh, doing that. Okay, so let's get into it today. Uh, yesterday, Mike and Christy talked about um, what it means to pastor and to shepherd and to uh, nourish or be nourished. And so I wanted to look at that today from a, uh, again, from a spiritual discipline uh, mindset and, and see what it looks like. And in preparing for this, the a question came to me uh, and it said, do you know that when you're properly nourished, you're able to do extraordinary things? So did you know that? Uh, I'm sure you did to a certain extent, right? Uh, proper nourishment does allow us to do extraordinary things. If you think about uh, athletes, they are consistently nourishing their bodies properly so they can perform at their peak level at the right time. So they know when the nourishment needs to happen. They know what it is to be properly nourished. And that's really important, but uh, what happens spiritually when we proper, properly nourish ourselves, right? When we properly nourish what is eternal rather than what's temporal. Right. So uh, Mike and Christy did a, a great job breaking down being nourished yesterday and really what it looks like uh, for pastors to step in and fulfill that role. And so if you haven't watched it and you didn't see it yesterday, go back and watch that video. It is phenomenal. Right. Uh, it's uh, our Sunday morning service. And so check that out. And there's something that Mike shared and he wrote this and he didn't read the full thing. Uh, he kind of paraphrased from it, but I want to read the entire thing from you because it is important to understand what it is that uh, pastors are bringing and how they help you in the journey of being properly nourished right? and, and, and fed from the right source because it's very important to, to nourish from the right source. And so let me read this to you. This is what Mike wrote. It says, we have those knocking on the door, running towards us with fire in hand. We are frozen in fear, in muck and mire, in our own vanity. These walls in which we, in which we sit are white, furnishings comfortable, but to no avail. 
It is burning down around us. Our pride keeps us stationary. Our vanity keeps us from stepping forward, out of the crowd. This attack is happening, and it is now. Our shepherd, our mother's heart is sweeping us away through green pastures, through death, into the safe hold of God's heart. The shepherd's heart is one of fierceness, boldness, and swiftness. The old pastor is no more. There is no time for pastors to be handholders, relationship menders, and oppressors. Shepherds go after the lost, cutting away the brambles and hobbling them in the truth, freeing them from what is restraining them, and slowing their hearts, placing them into the peace of Holy Spirit, hobbling their legs to keep them in this space. I believe these pastors are not meant to be meek, but meant to swoop in when all is in shambles, have biting words, and move on. Much like those barking orders to improve, pastors must lift the faces, speak the truth, no matter the cost, and send on their way. Isn't that absolutely incredible? This is what pastors should be looking like. Not uh, coddling people and, and and filling the pond and keeping it nice and smooth. That doesn't do anything for anybody's growth, right? That's not a manifestation of the kingdom to just smooth the waters and keep everybody docile and, and, and contained, right? What the shepherd is doing is nourishing the flock right, to fulfill a greater purpose. And so when we think about pastors and we think about the dealings with people, they don't have time to be doing what we have seen modeled, right? Because that's not the job. There is an aspect of sitting with and caring for the people and hearing their troubles. But there comes a time where you have to make the switch. It's no longer time to sit with these things it's time to continue to move. You don't stay in the valley of the shadow of death. We continue to move through that. We don't camp there. And so I, I love what he wrote. I love that he talked about the mother's heart of God. We always we talk so much about the father heart of God. But what about that caring, that nurturing side where you get nourishment from the mother's heart of God as well. It's an important aspect that, that we often overlook. So when you, when you examine this further, uh, you can see uh, the discipline that our father's bringing us, right? The, the character building, that growth that we've been talking about that comes from discipline, right? You can see that here and, and it's so you'll be properly nourished. It isn't unto just bringing discipline, but there is a proper nourishment that is taking place there. Right, so if you're, you're feeding on junk all the time, what do you think is produced from that? I mean, I can tell you from my own experience, you know, when you get up in the morning, what it is you, you do first is going to kind of set the tone for the day. Right. If you get up and you're, you're watching TV on your phone, which is something that 
I did for quite a while. It, it takes you off track. And so I really had to evaluate what is this producing in me when I do this? Because all it does is it, for me, it produced distraction. And it took me away from the focus that God wanted me to have. Right? I was not able to step fully into my calling because I was distracted. I had divided attention. I wasn't properly nourishing myself first thing in the morning. And that affected how I nourished the rest of the day. It's an interesting uh, little experiment to do with yourself. What is it you're feeding yourself first thing in the morning? And then what is that producing the rest of the day? And so I could look at that and see that the consequences of what I was nourishing with first thing in the morning were not were not giving me what I needed was wasn't giving me what I needed throughout the day. Right. And that was a consequence of that. So it was a, it was a negative or, or bad consequence of the choice that I made to nourish from that, that place. Right. And so uh, consequences aren't always bad. I, I know I under, I understand that um, that is often the, the way we view the word consequences. When we say that it's, it usually means, Oh, this is a bad thing that's going to happen because of the choice that you made. The decision that you made has this consequence. Well, you know, consequences can be good or bad based on the choices and the decisions that we make, right? And the things that we do, there is a consequence. And so just understand that's that's what I mean there. Um, so it, it's important that you be properly nourished. And there is a responsibility that you carry into that, right? This is part of the, the free will that you have, that God has given us. He has given you the choice to decide where you nourish from. Of course, he wants you to choose him. He loves you and he has good things for you. But you get, you get to make that choice. You have that responsibility, right? So, you want to nourish from the right place. So you are prepared to accomplish extraordinary things uh, for God, for his kingdom, those things that he's calling you into, right? Those are going to be extraordinary things. And so you're going to want to be properly nourished. And so uh, let's look at what happens when you're not properly nourished versus when you are. And I want to go back to second Samuel six. And this is something Angie taught on, a couple of weeks ago on Sunday. And this is the story of David bringing the ark up uh, from where it was at up to uh, the holy city. And so uh, if you remember, Angie talked about David gathered tens of thousands. I believe it was 30,000 men he gathered to bring the ark up. And it's a big number. And so you have to take a minute and be like, okay, what does it look like to be in a space, uh, even outdoors with a hundred people or maybe even 200 people or think to a time where you were in a stadium full of people and what that was like. Now imagine all of these people celebrating together. Right? Imagine what it looked like. And we know that they had instruments that they were playing and there was a lot of joy. 
and a lot of fanfare to bring this thing up. And so they took the ark, they placed it on, it says a new cart pulled by oxen. Okay. And so they, they were celebrating uh, before God with all kinds of instruments. And there's a lot listed in there. Right. And it sounds to me, it sounds absolutely glorious. It sounds like uh, David was acting in accordance with what would, could be considered good before God. Right. He was, had nourished himself in a certain way and said, okay, this is how we're going to come out. I'm coming out um, as a, as a king and I'm bringing 30,000 men from Israel and we're going to celebrate. We're going to put the ark on a cart and we're going to take it up to the city of Jerusalem. Right. And things were going fine for a while, but then came that moment where Uzzah reached out to steady the ark of God because the oxen pulling the cart had upset it and it was uh, nearly about to fall off of the cart. And so if you remember, Angie described this as in that moment, Uzzah was, wasn't trying to steady the object, the ark itself. He was attempting to steady the very presence of God. And you could think about this in that moment where he says to himself, I'm going to, I'm going to, put my hand out to steady this thing. Right. And and God, I'm going to steady your presence. I'm going to hold you up. You could think about it and say, I am going to talk to God and say, God, mount up on my wings, on the strength of my wings, and I will carry you. Could you imagine saying that and being serious about it? That you could reach out and steady the presence of God in your own strength, in what it is that you carry. And and we do this in our personal lives, even still to this day, attempting to steady and even trying to contain the presence of God. We'll invite more of his glory to be on us. But then when he answers that sincere invitation that we've given, we resist and say, I can't handle that. That's too much. But you, you asked for that. That's what you wanted. But of course, you know, Of course you can't in your own strength and under your own power and understanding be able to handle that much, to be able to steady the presence of God, to contain it, to have him mount up on the wings of your strength and carry him, right? It it takes the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the spirit of might to be able to do this. We have, we may even in these times be so bold as to dictate how much of dictate how much of God's presence is allowed to operate when we're in the room, right? We, we jump from inviting to being like, Oh, that's too much. I can't handle it. To then saying, "Mm, now I got to contain this for everybody else. Right. 
I'm in here and this makes me uncomfortable. Right? I see uh, somebody who is manifested in some way, having an experience with Holy Spirit, whatever that encounter is, whether it's being delivered from something or it's just existing in the glory. Right? We, it can make people uncomfortable and it can make us uncomfortable. And then we want to start containing it and trying to control the presence for everybody else around us. For whatever reason, whatever, uh, whatever is manifesting in you from fear of man in these moments, because, oh, how am I going to explain this to people? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? Oh, I have this need to go do something to, again, to calm the waters. If you, again, if you go back to the description of what the throne room looks like, there's no calm waters in there. We can't attempt to steady the presence of God. We can't attempt to contain it or to try to hold it up in our own strength. And we can't do that when for other people as well. You can't try to say, I am going to be the cap to this and I need to resist what it is God wants to spill out because it makes me uncomfortable. There's a reason why you're uncomfortable. He is provoking something in you and bringing it to the surface so you can shine the light on it. That's all you got to do is just bring it out into the light. And guess what? It loses power. So whatever is being provoked inside of you and making you feel uncomfortable and causing you to want to uh, contain his presence, to put a cap on it. There's a reason for that. Expose it to the light. See what happens. You cannot try to contain the spirit of God when he wants to move. It is a wrong use of your authority as a son and daughter. That's not what we're supposed to be using our co-seated place to do. We need to be spilling out the presence of God. When it makes us uncomfortable, we need to look at that. When it makes someone else uncomfortable, we need to help walk them through that. They, they may not have had the same experiences as you. And so this is the time to uh, spill out grace towards them and help them understand what it is that's being provoked inside them that may cause them to want to contain something or to run away because they're, they're fearful of what it is God's doing, how it is he's moving, what it is they're seeing or hearing. It's a great opportunity for you to draw them in to deeper experience, to better understand the oneness that they have with God, to, be to better illustrate the oneness that you have with them. Don't try to smooth things out. Right? We, when we talk about shepherding, we know that shepherds move the flock 
to green pastures and cause them to eat. And, and I think about uh, leadership in this way as well. You know, there's, um, there's a saying that says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, what leaders should be doing is pushing the horse and riding the horse hard enough that when you offer nourishment and you offer water, they want to partake of that. Right. So again, going back to what Mike wrote, there's not time for handholding. Right. We have to be pushing the people into the nourishment and causing them to want to partake. I know that sounds, that sounds kind of rough. That sounds kind of harsh, but uh, the reality of it is, is sometimes, and this was mentioned yesterday as well, uh, people aren't always going to be comfortable with what they're hearing coming uh, from the body, coming from the leadership inside of the church. Because sometimes those things have to be sharp. They have to be biting. They have to provoke you to action. Right? What you hear should be causing you to run to Holy Spirit and say, help me understand this better. Help me, help me see what it is you're wanting to show me. Let's expose some things here and look at them. And ask the question, how is this serving you? Do you feel offended by something you heard? Today, yesterday, at any point? I'll be perfectly honest. If you aren't hearing things that that somewhat provoke offense, not to be offended for the sake of offense, but to uh, be unto running into your relationship with Jesus then you should probably find somewhere else to be nourished at. You're probably malnourished if, the, if you are not being provoked to get into deeper relationship. If the discipleship doesn't point you at all times to Jesus and push you in the direction of mirroring him to the world, you're probably malnourished. You need to find another source. There should be something that you hear each and every week that causes you to want to be nourished in a deeper way. Let's get back to this story here. I've gone a little off track. I think it's interesting as if the upsetting of the ark wasn't in the ability to be settled by God whose presence and glory uh, and power was manifested through that object, through the ark. As if that upsetting wasn't in his power to steady. Uzzah thought he needed to reach out and do that. He thought he needed to use his strength to steady the presence of God. It's so interesting when you start thinking about it that way and you start thinking about like, I'll hold you up, God. That's a little arrogant. 
There's a lot of ego involved right there. So we know what happens in that moment that he does that. Uza dies. He's struck dead. And that same instance where Uza's arrogance and ego won out to reach out and steady the ark, he died. And what did that provoke in David? It says that David was angry. Verse 8 says, David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. So in that instance, David could have said, whoa, something's off here, right? I wasn't nourished from the right place when I came out here with 30,000 men. When I came out here as a king, that wasn't the right source to be nourished from to take on this thing. He didn't rightly nourish to be able to answer the assignment. And he became angry with God. Because Uzzah tried to steady the presence and carry God in his own strength rather than being reliant on the strength of God. He died and made David angry at God. You can see right there that that response, that initial response says that the nourishment that he had coming into this was from not from the right source. Even though with your natural eyes, when you look at this scene, you could say, this is probably, this is, this is good, right? David brought out a great number of people to celebrate. But what was he actually celebrating? Was he celebrating God or was he celebrating the object and being able to bring it to be able to carry the presence of God in his own strength up to the holy city. So we don't know how much time uh, is passed because they left the ark where it was at. And David went back and properly nourished this time. And so he heard about... Uh, the blessing that was uh, <clears throat> on the house where uh, he left the ark at. And he went out this time to bring uh, the ark of God from the house of Ob Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. So this time, rather than putting the ark on a cart and having it pulled by oxen. They had men, people bearing the ark. So this is an interesting thing for me. And just this morning, I had a thought about this. And this is something that uh, I hope you take into your time with Holy Spirit and ask him about. But if you think about who we are and the Original design and original creation of us is in the image of God. We bear his image. The very nature of him 
is in us. And we're uh, an even improved version of that now than before because of our new creation birth at the cross. We were the ones that were designed to carry the spirit of the Lord, to carry the nature of God, not the ox. The oxen are of their kind. We are of the kind of our father, God. That's why I think it's important that here in when David David was nourished properly and came out as a priest rather than a king, they were now rightly putting on the presence of God, rightly carrying his glory on themselves. Not in their own strength, but in the nature of who they were, in the nature of who we are. Right? We talk about Christ in us and us in Christ. This is where you can see that in action right here. They didn't try to put the nature of God in the wrong place. And so they put it on. And David was dressed this time as a priest. Understanding to clear things out as you go. Yes, he's still the king, but now he's coming out rightly nourished to say, okay, my posture before you, God, is one of celebration. It's not one of my strength. Because when you think about a king and his kingdom, you're not thinking about somebody who's weak. You're thinking about somebody who's strong and powerful who has great authority to wield and move people around and point armies. But when you think about a priest, it's different. Those aren't the same images that come to mind. So while yes, David was still king, he came out in a different heart posture before God. And it goes on to say that, uh, where's that? Uh, and so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling or a fattened calf. And so uh, we know that, that Andrew was teaching about, they, they did this every six steps all the way. And I, I love this because I went and looked up some of the arguments about this and there, there is, Varied opinions about they took six steps, they uh, offered this sacrifice, and then went the rest of the way. But looking at some of the people who really understand the original language and break it down, the argument makes a lot of more sense that every six steps they stopped and they offered this sacrifice. And so if you look at this, if you back out for a second here, and we take a conservative estimate based off what uh, where historians believe the ark was kept at this house to the city of Jerusalem, a conservative 
estimate was that it was about 10 kilometers. And I saw upwards of 15 kilometers, which would make this amount of sacrifices even greater. So if we take the conservative estimate that it was 10 kilometers, that's roughly 14,080 steps, meaning that David would have sacrificed somewhere around 2,350 times. That's 4,700 animals on a conservative estimate in that 10 kilometers. For those of us here in the U.S., it's roughly about five to six miles. Can you picture this trail of blood and guts that ranges this 10 kilometers? Can you imagine that? 4,700 animals in just over five miles offered before the Lord. That is a dedication to living disciplined and being properly nourished. This would have taken some extraordinary strength and will to stay disciplined enough to do this. But when you're properly nourished, you can do extraordinary things. And something that comes to my mind that we've been talking a lot about lately and the last couple of uh, blog posts that we've released are about retraining that needs to take place. And, excuse me, in this instance, David needed some retraining. He had to stop, take the correction and the discipline from God say, yes, you're building my character up and this is for my growth. He didn't see it as punishment because it's not what it was. It was a correction to rightly align and continue to move forward. There was was some systematic training in obedience to uh, the regulations and the authority. Right? But in this case, it was uh, in obedience to the regulations and authority that God was setting forth. And, and so we know that they brought the ark up. And it says that and David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And was wearing a linen ephod, which is why one of the other reasons we know, if you go back to Angie's teaching from a couple of weeks ago, that he was coming as a priest. Says So David and all of the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Uh, Let's see here. We got to back up. Okay. Uh, It happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark. uh, They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in the place inside the tent, which David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Again, we see David stepping in as a priest 
and making offerings before the Lord. He knew he was in the right posture. He knew he had the right heart now. He's nourished from the right place. And he's stepping in and doing what he knows is the right thing to do because he is properly nourished. And it goes on and it says, when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. He offered a blessing, doing the work of a priest. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both to men and women, a cake of bread and one of dates and one of raisins to each. Then all the people departed, each to his house. And then we know David went back to his house to offer the blessing to all the people there in his household. Just like all the men and women of Israel were given these cakes to go back and celebrate and bless one another. We know David had a little bit different experience when he got home. Because Michael wasn't nourishing herself from the right place. She just looked at him and despised him. Maybe because he wasn't wasn't out as a king. He was out as a priest. And she couldn't understand that that was the right posture to be out. Fulfilling this assignment. One of the things that was talked about yesterday was that people aren't always going to be comfortable with what they hear. And I talked about this earlier. It's something that we have to be okay with. There are going to be things that we hear that aren't comfortable. We've got to remember that that's, that's for a reason. Right? We're, we're, we're being brought into lush fields and God is causing us to eat there. So when these things come up, there's a reason for it. There's a nourishment that's taking place when these things come up. And I know that uh, it's been brought to our attention as senior leaders at Unedited Life that uh, over the last month and a half, uh, the, the things that you hear coming out of us are more sharp. They're more harsh sounding. And they're much harder to take in. But it's for a reason. There is a time for those things to happen. But just know there's people out there that are willing and ready to sit with you to help you get nourished. But again, there is a responsibility on the individual to make that choice. Right? Things come up. Let's expose them to the light. Let's have a conversation about it. There's growth for you in those things. Christy talked about feeling upside down and in shambles yesterday. But we have to know that growth and expansion happen in stretching. And when you're stretched, it's not necessarily going to feel comfortable. But it's okay. 
it's okay. You're growing. Moving into new levels of glory, and that should be exciting. Even if there is some um, lack of understanding in the moment of what's happening. Again, bring it out into the light. Don't sit in isolation. Bring it into the oneness that you share with the Trinity. Bring it into the oneness that you share with the body of believers that are around you. And again, if, if for whatever reason, there is no provocation to run to Holy Spirit because nothing is coming up from what you're hearing, you might be malnourished. And you're going to want to take a hard look at that. If that's where you want to stay, that's your choice. God doesn't love you any less because of that choice. He'll love you the same no matter what. But just know he has life abundantly for you. He has such good things to give you, to bring to you. And there are good things waiting for you on the other side of the stretching, on the other side of the expansion. I promise you there are. All right. If you watch the replay of this, we want to hear from you in the comments. We will come back uh, and engage with those comments. Um, feel free to send messages. Uh, also, we do reply to those. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to engage and interact with um, with what it is that you're, you're thinking. And so, uh, again, share the video. Uh, help us out. And we appreciate you all. Uh, let's pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for what you're you're bringing us into. I thank you that we can be nourished through the discomfort of stretching. I thank you that there are people who have the heart, like Mike and Christy, to to sit in that discomfort with people to point them to the lush pastures pastures, and cause them to, to want to eat, to want to be nourished from a good source. I thank you that you are blessing them as they have chosen to answer this call. We look forward to what it is that you're going to spill out through them. We look forward to seeing how they are going to release the kingdom to people. We thank you, Lord, for your discipline. We thank you for the the response that you have to us in our our choice to exercise spiritual discipline on the backside of that, to take correction and move forward. We thank you, Jesus, for being there. We thank you for being there for us in every situation when things are provoked in us 
and we choose to point the light on them. We thank you for being there. We thank you that we don't have to try to calm the waters and steady the presence. We thank you that is your strength that sustains us. That it's your strength that we can mount up on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week. Um, I'd really love to hear what your your biggest takeaway was from today. So come back, leave that in the comments, and uh, we'll talk to you all later. Bye.